All right, so uh, before we start our fourth episode, Joe, I just want to go into um, kind of our vision for the Why Not Now podcast as we, focus in, as we kind of focus in a little bit more on um, what we want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is we want this to be more about stories of resilience and how you can come out of this pandemic and um, inspire you with the guest speakers or the guest presenters' superpowers and also with um, some things they've done in the past that they've overcome to be successful today. So we want to make sure we, we get that message across. And we want to make sure this isn't about um, the fitness industry on the business side of things. It's really about small business owners and how they can thrive and be successful and how they can take lessons from others um, for their future. So, exactly. make sure so what, what is a superpower to you, Brian? Did you, let's go through the definition of a superpower. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go, I'll go through my superpower and then I want to give you a little story of kind of the past year for P4L as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my superpower, as I define it, is I believe in other people more than they can believe in themselves. So I help them find that belief that they didn't know, that confidence that they didn't know they had in them to really be successful. Mm-hmm. That was my superpower as a manager, my superpower as a trainer, as a strength coach, and now as a business, you know, instilling that in others, whether it be a customer or an employee or, um, or what have you, it's really helping them find that belief in themselves, mm-hmm. that confidence. Nice. And as far as, uh, you know, our story in the past year, I think it's important to recap. You know, we, um, we're opening our third location. We signed the lease last August. It's been a year. Mm-hmm. We signed the lease. We're going through the build out. And as we did that, we kind of lost touch of our culture. And, you know, employee and customer satisfaction was going down as we're paying attention to our new location. This beautiful build out uh, in the financial district, almost a half a million dollars spent. Mm-hmm. And then after we opened it, we're like, oh, shoot, we have to fix everything that we kind of lost touch of our culture, our customer happiness, our employee happiness. And that was all, you know, at a really rough point, the roughest point it's ever been. And we started to work on that again. And we got to a really good place. In January and February, we spent a lot of time. We opened the gym up in November of 2019. And then we spent a couple months really improving our culture, strengthening our, our company morale. And it got to a really good place. Revenue started coming in. And boom, March hit and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And just as we thought we climbed over that mountain. And instead of kind of crumbling during that time, what we focused on and what I did as a leader is focus on the culture again, continue to focus on the culture. Cause I knew that was going to be, you know, difficult to overcome with this pandemic. And we just took a customer or an employee satisfaction survey a month ago and it was higher than it was um, in the last year. Mm-hmm. So again, we spent a lot of time focusing on their development, focusing on um, bringing on guest speakers on uh, having fun on really trimming down the things that don't matter and focusing on what really matters. And, you know, things have been really, you know, in a good place culture wise, of course, Mm -hmm. we're struggling to stay in business given the pandemic, but um, you know, we, we really have a fighting chance where we believe that we're going to come out of this. And speaking of our next guest is, has been really helping us out with her Mm -hmm. and our negotiations and our lease, because we believe that, we have a fighting chance and we're going to be in a good place once we get out of this pandemic. And um, a lot of that has to do with Stu's help. He's a commercial, um, commercial agent. He's a, also a business owner, restauranteur, 
he's had over 20 years of experience as an agent and even another 20 or 30 years in the restaurant industry actually. And he has the ability to keep you in business. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, I introduce you, Mr. Steven, AKA Stu Garrett. Yeah, we call him Stu, Stu Garrett. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Why Not Now podcast episode four is that we're on joe uh quattro this is lucky number four you know what they say about fours what's that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's it's good to have four 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 sides makes a square and that's like a very good base it makes a building it usually makes a building Um, which speaking of that's why our guest is like the perfect guest for episode number four there you go well uh, let's meet Mr. Stu, Stu Gary, and he is a commercial leasing and sales agent, but a lot more than that, as you're going to soon to hear uh, for all the listeners out there. Uh, he is actually uh, saving the fitness business owners of San Francisco right now. Uh, he's been in our coalition. Basically, meet every week, all the fitness studio owners. And we're trying to save our businesses. And the biggest thing and the biggest obstacle we all have now is the fact that we can't open and our landlords are still demanding rent. And he's actually stepped in and gave us all this advice, put together all these files and helped us communicate to our landlords everything we need to communicate to them in order for us to stay in business. So thank you for all that you're doing, Stu. And uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, hi, everybody. This uh, My real name is <clears throat> Stephen Gary, but everybody calls me Stu. I got a job 20 years ago, and there were 16 Steves, so I had to pick a new name. Stu kind of stuck. So you can, you can call me Stu. It is true. I, I'm a real estate agent in San Francisco. Um, the work that I'm doing with this coalition is, uh, is specifically me as an individual in the public uh, that is assisting and advising all of these commercial tenants. I do residential and commercial real estate. I'm one of the few agents at my brokerage that does. Uh, And I specialize as well in bulk asset sales and commercial leases. Bulk asset sales would be the selling of a gym or a business um, and not real real estate. Uh, And to a large extent, those bulk asset sales are probably gone for the next two years. I cannot conceivably think of selling someone's business uh, in good faith um, in the next couple of years. So we found ourselves with a lot of sales situations and then a lot of commercial lease situations. And as I stand here today, I have 83 uh, people that I'm advising, 83 parties, but that totals 116 commercial leases. Um, going from uh, Santa Rosa to Petaluma on down uh, far into the South Bay, which is interesting as we go county to county city to city, um, the commercial rent moratoriums are different. The rights of the tenant are different. So I've had to waver a little bit with that. And um, trying to at least be the junction box or the relay box of 116 people's experiences, 116 landlords. What are some of the trends? You know, I think one good thing we can talk about is the things that I have learned and what are some of the trends um, that we can kind of extrapolate from all that. And that alone 
has really, really handed all the tenants a bigger bat to swing, I think. Yeah, so, you know, I started my career in 2009, and I never saw a recession of any kind, or really ne nothing that negatively impacted my industry in, in the fitness industry. Uh, but this has been the first, like, huge amount of climb, and I had no clue this was coming. Obviously, a lot of people didn't. But I don't even know how to get through this or what the future is going to be. So what is kind of from your experience is the biggest thing that you've taken from your past that now you're applying to um, all the consulting you're doing with 116 adopted children that you have. And by the way, you're a hero of small business right now, saving <laughs> a lot of us. And, you know, wow. I don't know how many of us are going to stay high, but because of you, I'm sure a lot more than before meeting you. So. I think one of the things that really sets me apart from other, especially other commercial realtors, because a lot of residential realtors really truly care about their clients, you know, and they really try and make that connection. And that doesn't happen so much in the commercial world. So my, my you know, my superpower, I think from 30 years in the restaurant industry, uh, I've worked in really uh, fancy five-star dining for many, 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 many years in San Francisco. Um, from Bix to Gary Danko to Bizu to Supper Club. I have a long history there. That was all about service. That was all about um, meeting and exceeding your customers' expectations before they even knew they expected it. And I, I, that has parlayed into my work as a realtor uh, in you know, the last more than a decade that I've been doing it here in San Francisco. I think listening and uh, finding these commonalities uh, and being able to tell pe people, you know, take a number, you are not alone. <laughs> there are so many people in the exact same situation as you right now. And uh, what I've been found most helpful is to really hear people out, listen to what they have to say. Doesn't change my response. I already knew what I was gonna tell them, but uh, <laughs> you still listen and you get those nuances so you know where to, you know where to steer the boat. So with everybody freaking out right now, small business owners, all the forced closures, everything, what's a message that you have for them as far as how to keep um, alive, how to stay with them? Well, uh, what hope that, can you give them? What hope have you given them? That's a two-sided question. Keep alive as a business or keep alive? <laughs> I, I think that um, the, best, the best advice I can give people is be realistic. Um, a month and a half ago when I did another Zoom call with about 50 people, I had about, at that time, 86 leases. It's grown since then. 7% of them were closing for good and leaving. Mm -hmm. And as I sit here today, it's a little bit more uh, with 116 leases, like 33% uh, are closing for good. So that's a trend that we've seen. But I said to them, if I was your financial analyst and I said to you, why don't you go live in Tahoe in a cabin for two years and close your business down, come back and re-enter this business landscape in two years, or stay and fight to stay alive, which would be a better financial decision? I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to be Tahoe. So that's the reality for some people. They need to take a hard look at what's real for them. Everybody's got a different landlord. Everybody's got a different situation. Um, but I try and just be realistic with them. Some people uh, have seven locations. And I said to them, you, you may not get it yet, 
but you must understand you'll be down to three by the time we're done done with this. All your customers yeah. are leaving the city. What are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do? Why would you keep seven locations in the middle of a global pandemic? That makes no sense. Unless you had seven unicorn landlords that were shooting rainbows over you. That's not gonna happen. Right. And it's you know, the the plus side is if you can narrow your focus down and have less locations, the quality of your services can come back to where yeah. they need to be when this pandemic is over. And like you said, uh, meeting customers' expectations before they even, you, you predicted before their needs um, or concerns are met is really important. So I think that's one bright side to look at is, okay, maybe you have to close down more locations and downsize, but the quality of your services now are gonna be better. And I think one, one thing you said is, what I fight with is, well, you, for one, you can shut down and take a break and then come back. But for those who are going to take that break and need to close down, but then come back in two years, are they going to be able to meet the demands of the new of their industry? Because things are changing so fast with everything virtual and everybody pivoting so fast to make sure that they can stay in business and thrive for that matter. Which one is better to close down and wait a couple of years or to just stick it through and fight and make it out the end and see the light and you're one of the few standing. Yeah, which one is there's no hey, better answer, right? Two thirds of the people are stick are in the fight. They're staying. The one other thing that I thought was interesting that really hit a lot of people when they heard this is, out of 116 leases, um, they're not all gyms. Um, this particular one is a candy store, uh, almost a three hundred thousand dollar SBA loan, a very high rent, uh, next to a theater up north, and um, they're filing for bankruptcy they are able to walk away from that $300,000 SBA loan. They're able to walk away from their landlord clean and owe them nothing. And they're able to keep most of their assets as a business. And they never dreamed that this would even be a possibility. So for some, uh, bankruptcy could be uh, a, a realistic thing to think about. It's not for everybody. For me, it's more about for these gyms um, what your physical space is like. How conducive is it to uh, social distancing workout when we have a second wave? How, uh, how can you manipulate, manipulate the space? And then I have these people that have just spent $500,000 on a space uh, of money that they have to pay back and they have these exorbitant rents. Um, they're in a little bit different boat because they have a real anchor financially to where they're at. They can't go to Tahoe. They, that's not an option for them because they're walking away from a half a million dollar investment improving a place. None of us saw this coming. Yeah. I think that in the very beginning, about two and a half months ago, what people really loved hearing, uh, which was what I was concerned with, is what's the best deal running? And at that point, I had three landlords and three tenants that came to this agreement. You owe nothing for shelter in place, zero forgiven and you will pay 25% of your rent from this point forward till the end of the year and then we'll reassess in January and when that's I a dream said, come true when, yeah. <laughs> when that when I said that on that zoom call with like 45 people I visibly saw people start crying mm -hmm. I like I visit I visibly saw people get emotional thinking like oh my god someone did that and that's possible and not only is it possible, that's your number to beat. That's the, that's the size bat you're going to use to swing at your landlord and try and come to an agreement because you now know 
and have the knowledge that other people are getting this. And that was typically far from what they thought they should be asking for and way more aggressive. And so I will have each and every tenant once we um, introduce ourselves to the landlord, kind of hit the reset button, draw up a proposal, write down those terms. And I'm typically saying, go a little further. I know you think you're cutting deep, let's cut a little deeper. Some of those people call me back and they were like, oh my God, he accepted it. You know, some landlords are thinking about selling the building and not accepting an agreement puts them in a pickle in terms of disclosures for selling the building. There's many layers to this. And I have that going on with a restaurant right now that if we would have said, we're gonna give you 25 cents a month, he would have signed it because he just listed the building for sale and he wants a complete disclosure file so the buyer knows what they're buying. There is some type of an agreement in place. So we never really know exactly the totality of what's going on, but we know that we need to swing hard and we need to be aggressive. And um, it, it should be understood that I'm also representing landlords here. I have quite a few commercial leases that I've filled that uh, the landlords are affected and I feel for them too. And there's a methodical way to go through it. There really is. And that, I'm not a hero. I'm somebody that has a good breadth of experience with stuff like this. And so I've just basically said, let's start over. Let's look at this ob objectively and figure out a way to just move through it in real talk, not in legalese, not in stupid realtor speak, but in normal language. And I'm equating, yeah. all, I'm equating all landlords to four-year-olds. They are begging for structure. They want at least some kind of conversation moving on. And we've got some nightmare sandwiches. We've got some, we've got some landlords that are not budging. Um, and we're dealing with those in, in, in different ways. They might be and, playing hardball though, right? I mean, they might just be not wanting to show their bluff for a while. I mean, they have to, I think we all have to work together, right? The small businesses and the commercial landlords need to find something that works for everybody because we didn't well, see this coming. That's really funny because the candy store that I mentioned, they were so tough. They were so uh, not willing to do anything. And, and the lawyer that we engaged uh, did not believe me. And I just said, no, guys, let's keep chipping away. Let's keep fighting. We'll get them. We'll break them. And he's like, Stu, I don't think this is going to happen. And then the dam broke last week uh, when we said the B word. And we're like, well, bankruptcy's now on the table. And suddenly they turned like a dime and they're like, what can we do? You can stay for free. You don't have to pay rent. Whatever. You tell me what I can do. And suddenly yeah. they're not so tough anymore. Yeah, because there's, I mean, who's going to lease these spaces if, the small businesses today cannot stay open. There's going to be no, there's nobody else leasing these spaces anyways, and, right? So they have to kind of work something out. You know, this is kind of a weird thing to uh, think about for a lot of people, but in my proposals, like I've worked on with you and others, um, I think we need to portray a story to the landlord if we're, if we're a tenant um, of a road back to full rent, of a road back to full base rent, but in, in the back of my mind, I truly believe that'll never happen. I think we're gonna have a second wave. I think this is gonna go on through January. I think that no matter what, everyone has lost a good faith year of business. And it's not just about rent. We can't overlook the fact that if a muni bus ran into your business storefront in your lease, there's a specific language about how that would be dealt with. If the landlord could not fix the building within 90 days, not only do you not have to pay rent for that 90 days, but you could walk away. There's no language like that for a pandemic. 
So I'm very concerned about when we make these amendments, what, how a second wave would affect the lease uh, and how do we kind of solidify some of that language. I think that everyone deserves a full year added to their current term. I believe that if I was had to exercise my option to stay another five years in August uh, of this year, I would be asking for an extension of six months. Who in their right mind right now could make such a decision? Um, so there, it goes well beyond just the rent that's being paid. There's so many other nuances to commercial leases. And that's where I think my perspective comes uh, in a helpful way. Let's just cover all the bases. But then there's this other idea. I, I've told you about this, Brian. Um, when I buy, let's say I bought a house from you, Brian, and the day before we were closing, the house burned down. That's a new material fact. Every single day of shelter in place before, during, and after you sign an agreement with your landlord, the house is burning down. Every single day of shelter in place is a new material fact and a new impedance on you being able to conduct your business. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that you're a small business owner yourself and you have a restaurant, you have a restaurant business. Yes. Um, and you that's a very tough business to be in. Um, and of course, with the pandemic, it makes it even more difficult. Uh, but tell some of the, the triumphs and tribulations you've gone through in the past that have made you stronger today to weather this storm. Yeah, I mean, I was telling you earlier about, you know, I moved from, I, I worked at uh, some really celebrated restaurants for many, many years, starting in 1991. And uh, I did own Cafe Floor on Market and Noe for uh, a few years there. And I own a place uh, across from the Warfield uh, right now uh, called Dispensa. And um, when I started in the real estate game many years ago, I kind of get, just got this like um, uh, this cold shoulder from almost everybody. And I didn't understand really why. And after about a year, I remember my manager telling me, Stu, don't you get it? They're scared of you. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. I'm such a good intentioned guy that I just don't ever kind of think about those things. And my hospitality life, my connection to the restaurant and food scene um, and working for, you know, stars like Jeremiah Tower and uh, Alice Waters and, you know, all these other people through the years have, have just taught me to have good intentions. And that's truly with this coalition, one of the things that I was most amazed by. All of you gym people kind of had this apprehension like, they're going to steal my business. I'm not joining this coalition. But it, as it turns out, all of you are really in for the common good and not threatened by each other. And you're, you've gained a sense of community. You've gained, uh, you know, a sense of pride together and that knowledge that you're not alone. You know, you're with these other people. So I, uh, I stuck it to those agents that were uh, a certain kind of way to me years ago. And uh, now I understand better why, but that's just not how to operate on this planet. We have to listen and be kind. And, you know, I, I told you uh, the first time I met you, Brian, we can talk all day about commercial leases. Truly, my best professional advice to everyone is to dance naked 15 minutes a day, because that oh, really yeah. does help the reset <laughs> button. You know, life is more important. Your beautiful children, your beautiful relationship, your life is has got to come first and i think a lot of people are losing sight of that this is not as serious as it needs to be it, it may mean that you have to close your business but that's also not the end of the world um i think that's a really good point that's 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, we, Joe and I have been talking about that with, uh, you know, other guests and with each other about, you know, the, on the other side of this, there's so much, like, so much good has come out. Like, yeah. we appreciate the little things. We, you know, the things we took for granted. We started taking on new hobbies or activities or things we put aside. Um, we've got to see our children grow. We've got to, you know, strengthen our relationships with certain people, reconnect. I mean, there's so many beautiful things that we otherwise wouldn't have had because of this pandemic. So I think that's what keeps you going as well as a business owner during this time is appreciating all the things you've gained from the pandemic, you know? Yeah, and we gotta uh, be flexible. We gotta be flexible in this life, you know? I think that um, one of the more, more polarizing cases that I had was a gym that required a $100,000 uh, certificate of insurance to keep their lease at a bank. Uh, and every year this tenant had to spend $1,500 and renew this certificate of insurance should they not pay their rent. It was a requirement of the lease. Um, uh, and her question was, do I renew this? Do I not renew it? And uh, since there was $100,000 at stake, we have two lawyers on deck that are kind of on free retainer for us. Uh, and they both gave different answers. But the one that I stuck with was, Basically, the person that said, we need to understand what our rights are in coronavirus, COVID territory. We need to understand what our obligations are as a tenant that cannot pay rent. And we need to do it by the book. And everyone has not been doing it by the book. There's no one that I've found that has taken the proper steps that are in the proclamation for the city of San Francisco, really, um, to take advantage of the deferment, which is all that a landlord owes you. And we told her in the end, you need to renew that certificate of insurance because you are playing by the book. And when it comes time to be the negotiation to go down, you did everything right. It's the landlord that didn't do everything right. It's that same landlord that is illegally right now sending notices of default because they're a Delaware statutory fund operating out of Ohio for a client in San Francisco. They don't understand the landscape of San Francisco COVID legislation. And so I always tell everybody, you, you know, you're so scared of a notice of default. That's like a gift from the baby Jesus right now because it is a <laughs> landlord acting inappropriately. And I think that that's interesting. The other glaring thing that was so yeah. shocking, shocking to me was uh, I have 116 leases here. Four of those leases, four out of 116, used a commercial agent to help them negotiate as the tenant. That wow. boggles my mind. You don't yeah. pay, you, you as the tenant do not pay us. The landlord no. that owns the building pays the agent commissions. So 112 of you have thought you were smarter than me, <laughs> didn't get a commercial agent to help you, and now you're stuck with a terrible lease that I'm supposed to dig you out of. So actually, let me talk about that one, because for all the listeners out there who are aspiring business owners and want to have a brick and mortar space one day, it is vital to have a commercial agent to help you through finding the right space, negotiating the lease, understanding the legal terminology, because you guys know the legal terms and having a lawyer to advise you. And on top of that, you should hire your own lawyer for that matter. But it's critical to have uh, an agent help you through the process. Yeah, it's just to put in perspective. What's like the average like lease cost for like a gym? 
in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. About about five dollars a square foot a month. Call it sixty dollars a square foot um, a year. So you're talking for a two thousand square foot place. You're talking a minimum of ten thousand dollars a month a just month. for your base. Just for your base lease. That's not even. That's not even for all the utilities and everything else. Right. And what about and for I restaurants? Have, I well, let me say this. It depends. Location matters. Uh, I have yeah. I have 116 leases. The lowest rent for a gym, I think, is around 2,900. The highest is 55 thousand dollars a month. Wow. Gulp. Um, but he's right. It's about five bucks a square foot. Depends on the location, though. Depends on the structure. Um, restaurants are going for about three, four bucks a square foot. But it all mm -hmm. depends, you know. Mm -hmm. Out in the sunset uh in the in, in the inner sunset it's two bucks a square foot mm -hmm. um but you know downtown in north beach that's a different story so it can be all over the map like that i think more importantly you know when we talk about having an agent number one it's free 99 percent of those times um the buyer the tenant pays nothing to their agent and their agent has a fiduciary legal obligation to fight for them and them only why would you not have that if it's mm -hmm. free and you have a professional helping you, and yet 112 of everybody didn't. And that boggles my mind. Um, and maybe it's just a lack of understanding that that, is, that service is available and out there for people. Um, I have a pole dancing studio that I'm dealing with right now in Marin. Six separate personal guarantors on that lease. Why would you ever do that? Why would six different people for a $2,900 rent be forced to personally guarantee with all of their personal assets, I would have not let that happen. That would not have happened. You know, that's a good example, just a basic example. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting observation. So that kind of yeah, makes like what so. you're doing right now, like helping out like small businesses, like even more impressive and admirable. That, Cause that's like what you say, it could be like $50,000 like that, like you just aren't seeing because people aren't able to pay their rent, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not acting formally as a, uh, as a licensed real estate agent for any of these people. And that is just an in necessity for my brokerage. Uh, mm. I'm, uh, I'm an individual uh, who has a lot of experience in this that's giving everybody advice and helping them out a little bit with the paperwork, but also being kind of the hopper where we can uh, distill this information so people, people are really scared of confronting their landlords. Mm. Um, but it truthfully doesn't matter if you have a good, bad, or ugly relationship with your landlord. Uh, our response will be the same, and that will be one that is positive, solution-oriented, and easy to understand. And I think that everybody's responding to that pretty well. I think um, I've only had one really, really bad response to, to those, and it was from a guy in New York who, you know, immediately threatened us with, you know, you better get a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm not scared of anybody. He needs to sit down and read those proclamations <laughs> and understand that he can't act in that way. He has an obligation. All landlords have an obligation to join into meaningful resolution-oriented conversation. And we're going to hold them to that task for sure. Yeah, and... You know, as far as this time and reflecting on what matters, and one thing that it's been a common theme in our podcast is 
what are you truly passionate about? I mean, everybody listening, what, you, what is it that you really love to do and that you feel like you can make a difference in? Because right now is a good time to reevaluate your current business. Or if you're trying to start a business, focus on what, really, what you're going to be all in for. Because after all this, no matter what the situation is, if you're all in for it and you're passionate about it and you've learned from all the mistakes from current business owners now, given this pandemic, you're going to be in a lot better place because of it. So what do you think about that, about, about that, Sue, as far as, you know, focusing on what you're passionate about moving forward? Well, I think you, that our, our passions may have to change, number one. Uh, I think that we're not going to ever see the clientele that we did before because they're all running for the hills right now. And those, uh, you know, that kind of critical mass of gym clients is just not going to be there, I don't believe, uh, for at least a couple of years. So my, my best needle uh, on, on, the, on the kind of test of whether or not you should continue is this. It's not survival, it's about sunshine. If you can wake up every morning and see the sunlight and want to go to work because you've come to a res resolution with your landlord where you believe you have a fighting chance for not survival, but for success, then, th then it's time to continue to fight and still stay. But if you're just surviving, it, I can promise you it's not worth it. Go find another passion. Yeah. Um, you know, me personally, I have nine industrial sewing machines here in my house. I busted out more than a thousand masks, which is not nice. a passion of mine, but it became a passion of mine. And I sent them to all my family members, you know, and friends and clients uh, to try and make people safe. And that brought me mm. a lot of joy. Um, I ribboned at the San Francisco quilt competition last year with a quilt I didn't even know that I would put in, but I do, you know, I take passions like that. I think everybody had their momentary sourdough passion the first month of COVID. We all got fat. <laughs> um, we got to realign what our passions are and think about what we've done in the past and how it can form the new reality. Everything is different. Everyone's going to work out differently and eat differently and pole dance differently and all that stuff. But most importantly, what so I'm going is going to start dancing naked for at least 15 minutes a day. Cause that seems to be a recipe for success, right? It's the smartest thing you can do. <laughs> and it has a chemical effect on your brain. Mm -hmm. Suddenly not so worried and people can laugh at that all they want, but it works. And it truly is the perspective that we need. It really is. Mm -hmm. And so what would be the message, a closing message to our, to our viewers and listeners as far as um, kind of wrapping this up is, what would you say that is? Get so, help, get help, find perspective. And remember that especially during this pandemic, as it relates to tenant landlord negotiations, we are swimming in glue. We are walking in molasses. This should be drawn out as long as it possibly can be. We are protected under the law in San Francisco. Um, we are not in Santa Rosa, so that changes a little bit. There is no eviction moratorium in Santa Rosa right now. So a landlord really can evict you. That is not what's going on in San Francisco. So be knowledgeable about what has happened. And be thoughtful, but don't rush anything. This is a way to slow. I, I've slowed everybody down on purpose. 
I want you to send your landlord a, a letter. I want them to respond. Let's wait a couple weeks. We'll give them a proposal. We need to drag this out because the information that comes every day, we're all so burnt out on the mm -hmm. endless kind of news cycle and all that. Um, we need to kind of take it in long, slow strides and it, that will pay off. Uh, anything we agree to with landlords in haste is foolish, I think. Definitely. Well, uh, thanks for doing this for us, Stu. Um, so we have a, we're going to play a quick game. One of the things we try to do at the end, we try to play a quick game just to wrap everything up, okay? So we're going to try to have some fun. Sound I'm good? In. All right. How are you with your um, reality real estate shows? Mm, I'm okay. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read you a synopsis of one of the reality shows, and you have to try and tell me which show that is. Okay. And Brian, you can join too, if you're interested. You can okay. do a competition, all right? Let's go. Perfect, here's the first one. Selling real estate in the Los Angeles market can be glorious, given the area's sunny location and the abundance of rich, famous people living in there. In this drama, show, we showcase the Oppenheim Group, where elite real estate brokers sell luxurious lifestyles to their affluent buyers. I love that show. Selling Sunset. Boom. It's such a great nice. show. It's like my favorite right now. Good job, you guys. I've turned uh, down those shows a total of seven times now. Really? Come on. Why, Stu? You'd be, you'd be great last, on that show. You'd be oh, great on it. No, 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 no. The last thing I ever want to do is have a TV show like that. I don't think they're really representative of what happens in real estate. Um, but they're good entertainment. They're lots of fun to watch. But that's not what my life looks like. I'm totally team Chrishell, <laughs> by the way. But let's move okay, on. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, next it. show showcases some of the most luxurious homes in Los Angeles again. And the agents must deal with demanding clients as they earn a living selling some of New York's hottest real estate. Some of the uh, featured real estate agents are Frederick Uckland and Ryan Serhan. Million dollar listing. Boom. Exactly. Wow. Two for two. Well, exactly. All right. Here will be the final one. And this is another one of my favorites, too. Tarek and Christina lead dizzying lifestyles. After finding success as real estate agents and they experience a drastic downside of the housing market, the Californians switch gears. They now buy distressed property foreclosures, short sales, and bank-owned homes and remodel them from the ground up and sell for profit. Flip or flop. Boom. Fantastic. Wow. Right? Three for three. Three for three. You win. You win, Stu. <laughs> Stu knows the real estate game. I saw, the mil I saw the million-dollar listing San Francisco when it came on, and uh, uh, myself and a bunch of other agents watched one of the episodes and were like, we've never even heard of these agents. We don't know who they are. Like, did they just come into town to be on the show? Like, it, did, it made They're no actors. Sense. They're probably just actors, not even real. Probably, yeah. It's funny. That's great. All right. So happy to do this, Stu. Thanks well, so much for joining us. Thanks, Stu. And, anybody and everybody that wants, listening in. Yeah, anybody that wants to reach out can just go to StuGary.com and they can, um, they can reach out to me if they need some help or want to have a conversation. Perfect. You heard it here, StuGary.com. We'll connect everyone. Send us a DM. And remember, you have a fighting chance if you feel like you will be successful. If it's time to throw in the towel, it's time to do it. But if you have a, if you think you have a chance to be successful through this pandemic, reach out to Sue. He'll help you stay in it. It's all about that landlord renegotiation. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for your help. And thank you for helping all the small business owners in the fitness industry and beyond. 
You're, You're welcome. Man. You guys have Appreciate a great day. Appreciate you. You too.